You are welcome to the teaching ministry of Nelson Ihiagwa. Be stirred as you listen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, we love you, we honor you for your hand upon our lives, we honor you for the things you've done for us. Thank you for life, thank you for breath, thank you for the ultimate sacrifice on the cross, thank you for your spirit within us. Mighty God, we give you thanks and praise, we honor you, we bless you, and we thank you. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, again, as we listen um, the eyes of our understanding is enlightened. Your light is br- your light breaks forth in our hearts, figuratively as explained in Second Corinthians. Darkness is expelled. We see better. We see clearly to the glory of your name. Blessed be your name. For in Jesus' wonderful name we have prayed. And the church types, Amen, 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 and Amen. Hi everybody. Um, like I said earlier, so I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start. Um, I'm gonna start. You know, on this. Last week we looked at a few barriers to Bible interpretation. We looked at two actually. Today we're gonna look at two as well. Last week we looked at the barrier called preconceived notion. Um, today we're looking at the barrier. Uh, we looked at preconceived notion. We looked at allegorical understanding okay preconceived notion allegorical understanding if you if you remember anything i said from last week please just write that in the comment section let's just interact with that for a bit um basically talking about preconceived notion um these recordings are not just being taught if you want to listen to them again go to t.me forward slash nelson you will see these teachings on the telegram channel the introduction and the one we did last week t.me slash nelson you also find it on the website niministries.org forward slash resources all right on the audio tab you'll find these teachings there so we looked at preconceived notion we looked at an allegorical understanding um we looked at these things as barriers to bible understanding really um all right so I'm just going to jump right into it. We see the Bible, we see the devil in the Bible tempt two major people at different places. We see the devil tempt two major people. Um, and we see something very similar when the Bible tempts these two major people. Okay? But let's look at, let's just take um, a few, by, or maybe two, maybe the two, but let's start with one. Um, because of time, so that we can even deal on what we have on ground. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Look at this. He said, But the serpent was most... Was, sorry, let me change to KJV. <laughs> but the, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden. Hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the trees of the garden. 
but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden god had said ye shall not eat of it neither shall ye touch it lest ye die and the serpent said unto the woman ye shall not surely die for god doth know that in the day ye eat thereof then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods knowing good and evil now and before I, before i go on let me just explain this if there is anything we see the bible do here we see the devil do here that the devil has continuously kept on doing as far as the word of god is concerned is the devil always challenges what the word of god says so that question is as old as mankind even when we have it in atheism or we have it in other isms you know is half god said the the challenge has always been even if god said it is it really is it really is it really um favorable for you is it really favorable for you so we see the devil tell if he said um god said that look at this in verse um five he says for god doth know that in the day ye eat thereof then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods knowing good and evil now the serpent first started by questioning what god said then eve went back and said and was relating with what the devil had been telling her you know when um we live in a society where there are many things that seem to challenge god's word many things seem to uh challenge god's word in our life so you see tv shows where um i say this with all respect and with all sensitivity all right i know that there are a lot of people who um struggle with homosexual tendencies and things like that but and pornography and masturbation and all that and we struggle with it because we know that all these things are not god's design for sex okay so but we watch tv shows that make these things normal we watch tv shows that make us sympathetic to these things we see them in music we see them uh, um, we see documentaries for them we see seeming scientific ex um, um scientific discoveries which can be questioned anyways we see seeming scientific discoveries that make us understand that yo god made them this way and we start being sympathetic to to things that our faith clearly stands against that is the devil's way of saying did god say did god say did god say you know you come to second corinthians and then in second corinthians one thing you get to understand you see paul telling the church he said lest the devil takes advantage of us because the word advantage is lest the devil deceives us or you see paul teaching the church at corinth i'm, I'm gonna go there let me not go ahead of myself let's just go on so he said he said for God doth know that in the day you shall eat it, your eyes shall be opened. So, you get to find out that there are particular things that you held dear as it pertains to the word of God. But when you begin to, Satan begins to question those things like, are you really sure that this is it? And then you begin to entertain those thoughts. You now get to realize that many times we get to a point where we now say, yo, um, 
this thing is pleasurable so it does not necessarily matter what god says so we get to a point in our work with god many times when the word of god is sufficiently questioned that we don't get to think that god is protecting us by giving us boundaries anymore as it pertains to his word rather we see those boundaries in his word as limitations so instead of seeing boundaries or seeing protective borders we see limitations you know um my, I, I saw a, I saw a comic and my pastor has given this example a lot of times that there were particular children who they were told don't go beyond this path and then they put a guardrail there and then when they looked at that guardrail what they saw there was one of them told them that they are just trying to limit us and then he ran towards the guard he ran towards the um, barrier and jumped and when he jumped over the barrier he found out that what was on the other side was a cliff it was a guardrail it was not necessarily a um, a railing it was a guardrail so what do i mean by that god's word for us is not limiting is protective even when it comes to doctrine god wants you to know him the way he's revealed in scriptures the way he's revealed in scriptures the way he's rightly seen as far as the word of god is concerned that is how he wants you to know him he doesn't want you you know when a lot of people see um, a lot of people emphasizing doctrine and emphasizing proper interpretation of god's word they begin to think that yo i'm being limited you are not being limited you are being protected because when we seek to find god or we seek to know god outside what is revealed in scriptures we can tend to double into a lot of things a lot of people don't know that the spirit realm is not just heaven the spirit realm is not heaven the spirit realm is not just angels and god walking up and down there are many kind of spirits that exist so many times when we encroach beyond the safety of doctrine we get to double into many things that are extra biblical that are beyond the definition and scope of how god wants you to know him and you get to find a lot of people who get oppressed by their adventure into things that god did not determine to be known by praise the lord praise the lord so look at this verse 6 it says and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes a tree to be desired to make one wise she took of the fruit now she had been around the garden for the longest of time but it was when the devil said what he said that she then realized that whoa this tree is is good for food how can you tell something is good for food by looking at it you really can't there are many things that look good but taste horrible many things that look good but taste horrible but because another kind of information had been given to her she began to see what was give was told by god in another light so like the common example you know like i said when we watch tv these days there are many things that seem to fight against um what the word of god has said there are many things that seem to fight against what the word of god has said and then we get to find out that 
these things buy into our emotions they buy into our 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 humanity in quote so like i said earlier um let me use the common one of homosexuality because we even get to find out in movies and documentaries even more and more these days and then you find out that initially you were bothered by it but after a while you are okay with it you are used to it so even when you know even when um the idea is pushed to you you're like well it's not necessarily a bad thing so there's a part of us that is now becoming accommodative that is exactly what happened now of course i'm not saying that we should hate people who um live who have this lifestyle of course we can't because jesus loves the homosexual okay it is ungodly for a believer to be homophobic i say that again it is ungodly for the believer to be homophobic but many times what happens to us is as we see those things we now begin to realize that hmm, it's not as bad as i was made to think it is it's not really as bad as i i i thought it was going to be it's not as bad as i thought it was going to be that is exactly what happened when eve saw it when eve saw it and then she um um what's the word Eve saw it and then she saw that it was good for food. 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3. Verse 3. In fact, let me read from, let's read from verse 2. This is Paul talking to a church now. He said, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that i may present you as a chaste virgin to christ look at verse 3 he said but i fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled eve through his subtlety so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in christ so you get to find a lot of people look at let's let's even read on to verse 4 he says for if he if he that cometh preacheth another jesus whom we have not preached or if you receive another spirit which ye have not received or another gospel which ye have not accepted ye might well bear with him for i suppose i was not a wit behind the very chiefest of the apostles so look at this now in that verse 3 when paul says i fear that the way the serpent deceived eve through his subtlety that you also should be deceived from the simplicity that is in christ Paul compared what happened to Eve. Alright. He compared the same things that happened to Eve to the um to what was going to happen to this Corinthian church if they continued in wrong doctrine. So that is why he went to that verse 4 and he talked of another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. All this is really talking of one thing, another message. All this is talking of one thing, another message. Another message. So, if somebody comes and he preaches another Jesus, another gospel, another message, rather than what the apostles taught. Anybody who preaches something that is different from what we see in the word of God, different from what is revealed, any other thing that is deeper than what the Bible defines as depth, is another message any other message that is deeper than what the bible gives us at face value 
is another gospel. Any other Jesus that is presented, that is presented as deeper than what we know in the epistles is another Jesus. And that is why I said last week that the best of the gospel is, the best of the Bible is gotten at face value. The best of the Bible is gotten at face value. Is gotten at face value. So, the way Satan deceived Eve and he made Eve see the tree in a way that it was good for food is the way that when people are turned away from the truth in God's word, look at the words Paul used. He said, the simplicity that is in Christ. When people are turned away from that simplicity that is in Christ, what then happens is it becomes obvious that they have been beguiled it's not just that they have been taught wrong they have been deceived the way eve was deceived they have been deceived they have been deceived child of god i just i i, I gave that introduction for one thing don't look at the word of god beyond what the word of beyond how the word of god should be looked at don't stretch the boundaries of the word of god beyond the boundaries that the word itself had given don't stretch the truth beyond the way the truth was given all right so we get the best of the bible if you you know this old song god said it i believe it that settles it if the bible said it this way if the bible says that by grace are ye saved through faith not of works lest any man should boast it is the gift of god if the bible puts it that way then it should be enough for us to understand that you know this is what the bible says this is what i believe it is what it is praise the name of jesus so i i, I just said that um this is where we were last week and i'm going to continue with that a few barriers to bible interpretation number three because we had already done two last week uh, number three is generalizations oh this is very important generalizations generalizations a lot of people um say things i've I've heard a lot of people in their in their bid to do bible study in their bid to do interpretation they say things like you know everywhere you see seed (laughs) uh this is my personal favorite it's very interesting they say anywhere you see seed in the bible anywhere you see seed it is talking of um, money that's this is a common one anywhere you see seed in the bible is talking of money well that's not true this is just an example of generalization i've heard a lot of people say things like anywhere you see egypt in the bible is talking of this don't have a preconceived notion of what the bible is saying okay when you go to the bible when you go to the bible take what the bible says within the context in which he says it and if you take it within the context in which he says it it is good enough because like i said last week a bible verse can never mean what it never meant a verse cannot be interpreted away from what the author intended to be said let me just give a common example with that um galatians chapter 6 this is a this is a common one galatians chapter 6 
Galatians 6. Now, a lot of people use the word soul when it comes to giving an offering or giving a gift. You know, um, when I use gift, I mean offering. They use the word soul. And I've actually seen a couple of people use this verse to take an offering before. But the question is, was this verse actually talking of an offering? Did anything in this verse actually mean an offering? Or did we just assume that because he said so, it meant giving an offering? Let's read Galatians 6 8. It says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. So they say, you know, sow to the spirit, give a bountiful offering. But when we read the context, we get to understand that Paul here was saying nothing about giving an offering. Let's read, let's, let's, let's see the context. Let's read from verse 6. It says, Let him that teacheth in word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sow, that shall he also reap. It says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Look at verse 9. He said, Let us not be weary in well doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Verse 10, I'm going to, I think I'm going to end here. It says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially them that are of the household of faith. If you read the immediate context upon which Paul switched um, verse 8, when he, say, he was saying verse 8 as a statement to further buttress what he had said in verse 7, that whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. That whatsoever a man sows, that shall leave. So, if a man sows um, um, to his flesh, he will only reap the fruits of the flesh. But if a man sows to his spirit, he will reap the fruits of the spirit. So, when he talks of the the fruit of the the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit, if a man gives himself to spiritual things, he will reap what are the products of spiritual things. If a man reaps, if a man sows to um, carnal things he will only reap the products of carnal things here paul was not exactly saying speaking about giving an offering he was giving a statement to prove a point that he had said earlier even though the general context here as he was saying in verse um, seven was you know giving material things that's from galatians 6 6 giving material things to the person who has ministered to you spiritual things do we get this do we get this because giving material things through the bible is not exactly seen as sowing to the spirit because um, how exactly is giving material things exactly sowing to the spirit? If you see when he talked of giving through the Bible to the cause of the kingdom or giving to God or giving to ministers, that giving was mostly translated as honor. Not, it was mostly translated as honor, not in quotes, sowing. Praise the name of Jesus. Um, this is my personal favorite, Genesis 26. Genesis 26. Genesis 26. A lot of people use this a lot. I'm sure you know this verse already. Then Isaac sowed. 
<laughs> then Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year an hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. So they say Isaac sowed in the land. This is a fertile land. Child of God, you need to sow here. You need to sow here so that you can reap a hundredfold. The question first of all will be, what did Isaac sow? These words sow are context specific. So the word will be, what did Isaac sow? What did Isaac sow? If we're going to follow through, you find out that this verse was actually talking of agriculture. So if Isaac sowed, what he sowed was rice or maize or corn. That was what Isaac sowed. The verse here is not Isaac gave an offering. If you say, and this is what I was talking about when I talked on um, um, allegorical interpretation. The verse is clear as to what it is saying. The verse is clear as to what it is saying. You don't give it or you don't push an interpretation upon the verse. You don't give it an interpretation that the author did not intend for it to have. So Isaac sowed in the land and reaped a hundred year, a hundredfold. What he sowed was agriculture. What he reaped was agriculture. If you tell us to, if you use this verse and you say Isaac sowed in the land, reap a hundredfold, and you tell us, why don't you sow now? If, if we are going to follow that verse, what we are supposed to put in the offering envelope is rice or maize or corn or something agricultural or agbalumo <laughs> because that is exactly what sowing is going to be. The sowing here is going to be agricultural. It's going to be agricultural. Praise the Lord. Let's go on. Um, I'm just using the word sow, seed, you know. When people say sow, seed, and all those things, um, it is, they think it always means money. But we've seen in this context that those generalizations do not work. They don't work. Matthew chapter 13, you know, the parable of the sower. We get to find out that Jesus explained that parable. And when Jesus explained that parable to us, he said that that sowing, was not that sowing was not um, um what was the word i'm looking for now that sowing or the 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 one the sower scattered the seed the sower scattered it was not money that seed was not money the seed that the sower scattered the seed that the sower did was um simply the word of god and it's Jesus that let us understand that. The seed is simply the word of God. The seed there was not going to be money. The seed there was not going to be anything. The seed is the word of God. We cannot, we cannot assume what the word of God says about something in a place. And automatically say, if he says it here. You know, a lot of people have that wrong. They say scripture interprets scripture. So when they say, they, they see a place where, for example... This is the, the birthplace of this error. When they see a particular verse where seed means money, they pick that verse and they say, everywhere they see seed, you now say, remember here, it said money. So they now go on and say, in this place, it means seed. No. When that word, scripture interprets scripture, when it is used, what it means is scriptures explain scriptures. Not like 
Anywhere you see um, water, because water symbolizes the spirit. Even everywhere you see, and Jesus drank water, it means Jesus is drinking the spirit. No, no. Explanations and interpretations are context specific. Scriptures interpreting scriptures will be that the law and the prophets prophesied about Christ that was to come. And then in the New Testament, we saw Christ fulfilling all those prophecies. And that is scripture explaining scripture. Not us bending an interpretation to mean something. Do we get this? Do we get this? Praise the Lord. I hope I'm making sense. I hope I'm making sense, guys. Please, please give me some feedback. Hallelujah. All right. Um, let me go on. This, 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 this favorite one where there's even people, people also say this thing. They said, anywhere you see Egypt in the Bible, it means bondage. Hey, if we were scholarly with the Bible, if we were scholarly with the Bible as we were with our academic materials, we would be better Christians. We will not be easily beguiled like Eve. You see, a lot of people, the Bible is sweet when they don't understand what the person preaching is saying. Yes, that's when the sermon is sweet. The sermon is sweet when they, when they don't understand what the person preaching is saying. They say, listen to me. <laughs> there are depths, dimensions, and levels in this thing. The, 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 the osmodium in the, in the right angle of the word is what lifted me to the lectern of greatness. And you see, that is exactly what happened to Jesus in the portals and dimensions, the diameters of the Spirit. That is when they enjoy the sermon, when they don't understand what the person is saying. And that is why it is not enough for people to just be quoting scriptures. A lot of us, like you say, ah, he's a walking Bible, he's a Bible machine. It's good to memorize scriptures. It's good because if you know scriptures, you, you will not be beguiled like Eve. See, let me tell you something. Every time a verse is taken out of, out of scripture to prove a point to you, have it at the back of your mind that Satan is about to beguile. Have it at the back of your mind that Satan is about to beguile. When a verse is taken out of scriptures to prove a point to you, I say that again. Have it at the back of your mind that Satan is about to beguile. That is exactly what is happening. All right. So, um, <laughs> the the Bible. If we were scholarly with the Bible, you don't read your notes and assume what the author is saying in a place. You don't assume what he's saying somewhere. So. Um, 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 if you read your chemistry textbook for example and it says this chemical component you go back to clearly understand what chemical component what chemical component which one which one you don't just say um, oh um, uh, um, chemical component you don't just assume that he's talking of a particular chemical component you go back to the chapter and see, okay, what, 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 what particular mixture of chemicals is he talking about? So, every time he says chemical component, you know the particular context 
or you know the particular component he's talking about. You don't just assume. So also it is with the Bible. We cannot just assume everywhere that um, anywhere you see Egypt is talking of bondage. No, you don't do that. The Bible is a book. It was written to be understood. It was written to be understood. Let me let me quote a particular verse that a lot of people quote. Isaiah 31. Isaiah 31. Isaiah 31. I hope you are opening your Bibles. Alright, look at this. It says, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen and in horsemen because they are very strong but they, but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel. Neither seek the Lord. So he says, so every time they will say, Woe to them who go unto Egypt. Listen, why? Because you see, Egypt is a particular system of bondage. That's, that's terrible Bible study. Because Egypt is a nation that held Israel in bondage, does not mean anywhere you see Egypt is a system of bondage. No. Because Babylon, you know, the, from the Tower of Babel, they built a city that was to oppose God. You don't say there is a Babylonian culture. No, no, no. Then you now do Bible study and you get to find everywhere Babylon appears. And you say they are always against God. So everywhere you see Babylon, Babylon means, everywhere you see Babylon, Babylon means a culture that is against God. No, that's not what it means. That is terrible Bible study. Terrible. Egypt is not Egypt does not symbolize in quotes bondage in the spirit. That's not what Egypt symbolizes. Egypt is a nation. If Egypt symbolizes bondage in the spirit, Nigeria symbolizes corruption in the spirit. God needs to help us. That's not where I'm going, anyways. That's not what because many times a lot of people say, I saw a vision, I saw Egypt. Your doctrinal persuasions will many times influence your workings with the spirit your doctrinal persuasions will sometimes will many times influence your workings in the spirit so egypt is not a system that symbolizes bondage in the realm of the spirit that is not what happens that is not what happens that is not what that verse means that is not what that verse. so what this verse was simply saying is what to them who go to egypt who go to Egypt as a nation. If you are going to use this verse to mean anything, what you are going to say is, what to anybody who trusts in a system that is against God because it looks strong. Don't say, what to any system. You see, this Egypt here, the Holy Ghost revealed to me. Uh-uh. It's not what, it, what the Holy Ghost revealed. The Holy Ghost cannot reveal to you separate from what he inspired the author to write can i say that again the holy ghost cannot reveal to you separate from what he inspired the author to write he cannot reveal to you something another meaning different from what he inspired the author to write 
Praise the name of Jesus. So, I've seen a lot of people do some gymnastics with the Bible. And it will not help us. Speaking of generalizations, let me just wrap my thoughts on this. You see, um, 2 Corinthians 9. Let's, let's just go there quickly. Look at verse 8. Uh, let's see verse 6 first. So, a lot of people assume that because... He says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according to the purpose of his heart, let him give. So, a lot of people assume that because Paul was alluding to seed here being money, everywhere you see seed, because like anywhere you sow, Isaac sowed in the land, sow, sow. Anywhere you see it, it means money. This is an unhealthy generalization. And you don't do that. You don't do that. You don't do that. This generalization will get us into trouble. It will get us into trouble. Why did I say that? This verse, there's a lot of explanation to this Second Corinthians, but um, he that soweth sparingly will reap sparingly. Uh, what this verse actually means, <laughs> what this verse actually means is basically paul was saying that um if you read it down he said that the fruit of your righteousness will abound so in their giving they were going to enable the apostles make minister to the needs of the saints and basically send the apostles on their way to minister to more people so when people lift up their hands and give thanks for their ministry that's for paul's ministry or whichever apostles ministry that was enabled because these people gave ministry has always been done by giving of people you know when people say things like why can't pastor make his money available because that is not how god designed ministry to be even though pastors should give to ministry but the way god designed it was that the people that are being blessed give so that others can be blessed so when he said he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly here what he means is the person who gives a little will reap little so if you read down what he meant by reap was fruit of righteousness and what were the fruits of righteousness in that context the fruit of righteousness cannot be cars or you know if you give one thousand there's hundred fold increase that's not true money is too small to be called a fruit of righteousness cars are too small to be called fruit of righteousness the fruit of righteousness is basically the that um saints are going to be added to god's family people are going to be ministered to their needs are going to be the needs of saints are going to be met because they gave so if you give a little people are going to benefit just a little but if you give a lot people are going to benefit a lot and the context of this also basically lets us understand that we have a reward in heaven for giving god is going to look at even when we go to heaven god is going to judge everything we have done in his name so because seed here in this six when it says sow it sparingly reap sparingly sowing bountifully reaps bountifully because um this word here kind of alludes to money a lot of people now assume that yo anywhere you see seed is talking of money so they say in the evening uh this is my favorite verse <laughs> guys i think next week we'll talk about the uh, number four because i have not even exhausted this and i cannot go to the next one turn with me to ecclesiastes this is my this is one of my favorites 
Tell me, meet your Ecclesiastes. I didn't even plan this. Guys, are you there? Am I making sense? Oh, sorry, sorry to bust somebody's bubble. Second Corinthians 9 6 was not saying if you sow money, you receive money. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. If you read it carefully, you'll find out that Second Corinthians 9 is actually saying that if you give, saints will be ministered to because of your giving. Saints will be ministered to because of your giving. And then in the ministration, people, more people can be blessed. Of course, our reward is with the Lord and all those things. Um, Ecclesiastes 11. Yeah. Ecclesiastes 11, 6. Somebody feels attacked. I'm attacking all the verses you know to collect offering. I'm sorry. Ecclesiastes 11, 6. Ecclesiastes. That book you've not read since you got born again. Alright. Look at this. It says, In the morning sow thy seed. <laughs> in the morning sow thy seed. And in the evening withhold not thy hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper. Either this or that. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Okay. So, a lot of people, because of 2 Corinthians 9, they say, you see, in the morning, sow your seed. The seed here, Solomon was talking about, was he talking of offering? Let's start by asking ourselves this question. From the context, was Solomon talking about giving an offering? <laughs> Was Solomon talking about giving an offering? When he said, in the evening, sow your seed. What he meant here. First of all, you need to understand, Ecclesiastes is not a book of spiritual principles. Ecclesiastes is a book that was written based on the observations Solomon had made. And that is why at the end of it all, he said, vanity. Vanity. (laughs) So, when he says, um, um, in the morning sow your seed in the evening we don't know your hand for you don't know which one shall prosper he was basically giving you financial advice he was giving you financial advice even when he said cast your bread upon many waters for in many days they shall come back you know um, if you observe the wind you will not sow see there are many verses on this sowing thing we can talk about even uh, um, um, I'm trying to remember this verse that they use for sowing in um, Proverbs. It skipped my mind now. Maybe I'll, when we are doing context, I will, I will pick that verse. I'll, I'll, he that watereth shall be watered. Thank you. He that watereth shall be watered. <laughs> that particular verse, when I read it in the Bible, I was like, hmm, very, very interesting. Okay. So, this verse, when it says in the morning, sow your seed, in the evening, withhold not your hand, for thou knowest not we that shall prosper. He was telling you that he was giving you physical advice. When you understand Ecclesiastes is not a book of spiritual principles, you will then on you will then relax when you are reading Ecclesiastes. You are not looking for tips and tricks to 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 spiritual depths in Ecclesiastes. <laughs> so what he was basically telling you was, if you see investment opportunities in our day, that's what it will be. 
because then he actually meant planting seed. But today it will be if you see legit investment opportunity, not racks tell you legit ones. If you see legit investment opportunities, give it in the morning. If you see another one, give it. Basically, he was saying scatter your wealth, multiple streams of income, as much as you can. For you don't know the one that will prosper. You don't know the one that will prosper. Whether it is this one, or you don't even know if all of them will prosper. So, a lot of people now need to understand when they are reading this. When they say in the morning, sow your seed. This seed he was talking about was not give an offering. Honor a man of God. There are verses that outrightly tell us to honor men of God. And those verses are good when we are using them. Let's not use these verses. When he said in the morning, sow your seed. This sow your seed or cast your bread upon many waters. These verses were not talking about offering. If the author did not intend that to be said, then it should not be quoted in that light. Can I say that again? If the author did not intend it, if the author did not intend um, that it be quoted, if the author did not intend it to be read that way, then we should not quote it in that light. Like, for example, like what I read earlier, Isaac sowed in the land. If, if, if you are reading that and Isaac was in the crowd, and you are using that to take an offering, will Isaac not be confused? Isaac would be like, ah, I sowed in the land, but I should come and sow here. Are you telling me to come and plant a tree? for you or what exactly are you saying i don't understand guys do we get this do we get this when we try to go deeper than the bible we get into trouble when we try to go deeper than the bible we get when we start to bring all these generalizations scripture interpret scripture so because in second corinthians 9 money kind of alludes to a seed and then the fruits that he was talking about there, those fruits are the products of what our giving will do for the saints. Because that's exactly what he was saying. We then get to assume that anywhere you see this thing, this is what it means. That is bad Bible study. Bad Bible study. That is not what it means when scripture interprets scripture. That's not what it means. We need to be scholastic with the word of God. And can I tell you something? See, guys, I'm sorry I'm taking time, but permit me to say this. As children of God, let us learn to be scholastic. Have you read your Bible today? Have you read your Bible today? Have you, did you read your Bible yesterday? And I don't mean, um, um, you know, our daily devotional, one or two chapters. Have you sat down with God's word today? I know some of us have been to work and there's a way the day can be. But at, on your way to work, did you open your my sword or did you open your you version? Have you read the epistles today? When you are ignorant, you are a candidate for deception. See, when you are ignorant, just know that you are about to be beguiled. You are a candidate for beguilement when you are ignorant. We need to sit down with this word. Not just sit down with it. Rightly divide. And not just rightly divide. We need to be scholastic. We need to take the word at face value. What does he say? If God said, if the word says this, then I believe this. If the word says that, then I believe that. Hallelujah. I trust you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more ministry content, visit niministries.org. God bless you.